really important for the personal brand as well because a lot of people like me, I am my business website, but I'm working on my melindasampson.com website so that I always have that one ranking at the top if people search for me by name. Welcome to Reputation Revolution. This is the podcast where we help individuals like you to establish your voice in the marketplace, enhance the credibility of that voice, extend the reach of your story and your message, and finally, extract value from your efforts in building a meaningful personal brand that's both recognized and respected. Now, on with the show. Alrighty, welcome back to the Reputation Revolution. My name is Trevor Young. Great to have your company here on the podcast. You know what? It's one thing to create great content which resonates with people. You build an audience over time um, through organic means. Just because you're visible in the marketplace, you've you've built a compelling brand. Um, your your videos are getting uh, uh, traction on YouTube. You're speaking on stage, perhaps. People are asking you to uh, to be interviewed on their podcasts, and so these are all good things. You, what you're doing is you're building a rock solid reputation. But sometimes, sometimes this is not enough because sometimes uh, you know you're wanting to build a personal brand based business, and that's clearly not enough. You attract enough leads organically, potentially. But maybe you want more. Maybe you want to take things up a notch. Maybe you want to build a bigger business around your personal brand. And that's when paid media comes in. So we talk a lot on the podcast about owned media, earned media, social media. Well, today we're dedicating the whole uh, podcast to paid media. And I've got a round table of experts today. So to help me unpack everything paid media, there's going to be a lot of juicy stuff in this today. We've got... We've got three experts. We've got Kim Wallace, and I'll get them to talk a bit about themselves. Kim Wallace from Higher Ranking. We have Miles Harris, and we have Melinda Sampson. G'day, guys. Hello. Hey, Trev. Right. So I think it'd be great to have a bit of, uh, if you can just give us a quick thumbnail sketch of each of you, just so we have some context of, you know, because the whole paid media and the larger digital digital marketing sphere encompasses a lot of things. So it'd be good for listeners to be able to work out who's who in the zoo. So Kim, you want to start off, mate? Yeah, thanks, Trevor. Um, My name's Kim Wallace. I'm the founder and director of Higher Ranking. I've been in digital marketing for 20 years, ad tech for 20 years. Um, And um, yeah, is that is that enough, Trev? Well, what, what does Higher Ranking, what does Higher Ranking do? What are your areas of speciality, put it that way? I, I love tying um, marketing spend to return on investment and different companies have different appetites and structure, uh, both in their technology and their business process that enable me to do that. So whatever the fit is for that business, we'll track everything to conversion or yep. whatever that conversion, that KPI is for that business. So um, offline phone calls and online, whether that's a, a webinar, you know, bums on seats, whether that's a, a podcast or a vlog or whether that's... Um, you know, lead generation through form submits and contact us forms. And higher, higher ranking also, genesis in uh, SEO, which we'll cover today. I know SEO is, I think SEO is kind of like a, um, a an earned 
uh, medium, but because you know often you're going to have to pay someone to do it properly, then we'll we'll put it under the paid bucket. So SEO, we'll get you to talk about in a minute as well. Yeah, it, SEO and um, also LinkedIn lead generation. All right, we'll we'll make sure we tick those ones off. Um, All right, uh, Melinda Sampson from Click Winning Content. Click Winning Content. Yeah. So yeah, I'm Melinda, but everyone calls me Mel. Um, I actually call myself the godmother of Google ads because I've been around since 2006, which is a little bit after Google began, but it's a very long time. And I always say that Google years are like dog years. So (laughs) if um, 16 years equates to about 112 years in dog years. So I've been in Google ads. (laughs) You're looking all right for 112. Thank you. Don't look too close. But, um, yeah, so all I do is Google Ads. We decided about five years ago to just specialise in this because it's very fast. Google changes a lot and we're running to keep up all the time. So while I can do other things like website optimization and Google Analytics and things, my business purely focuses on Google Ads and getting the best return for our clients. Sounds good. Return on investment. This sounds like it's going to be a thing. I, I love what Kim I said, actually, and I'm going to bang on about that a lot today. It's all about the return, <laughs> all about the return. Yes, well, Kim's mentioned that, and I'm sure Miles Harris is going to as well. G'day, Miles. Hey, Trevor, how are you? Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Miles Harris, and I've been advertising on Facebook since 2011. And been working with Facebook since a few years before that um, under a guise of a German automotive manufacturer. And all the dealers were like, oh, you know, people are getting us feedback on our Facebook pages. What do we do? <laughs> so that's sort of, <laughs> well, you'd be nice to them for start. Uh, and, yeah, so in that time, it's it's, it's really, really changed. Um, and it's, it was a lot easier then to what it is now. Uh, I'm currently working with uh, a company called Buzzpop Brands, which specialises at the moment in branding for FMCG clients. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a fa- certainly a fascinating space, uh, getting people to buy products in a supermarket yeah. uh, as opposed to directly online. So, um, yeah, been going for a long time and, and Facebook is where my history's been, but I'm certainly moving a lot more towards TikTok at the moment, which yep. is the results really remind me of what Facebook was like in the old yep. days. And so if we put you in a bucket, it's going to be social media advertising, uh, face, yep. Facebook, Instagram, skew, but now into TikTok. And I know you've done some LinkedIn and, and Twitter stuff as well. So uh, well placed. Yes. So while we've got you here then, Miles, and you're on a roll, what is, just in an overarching, so we're going to ask each, each of you uh, this question, but what's the state of the nation when it comes to advertising on social media? What are you seeing from a, you know, a big picture view? Is there any trends? Is there any changing things coming up on the horizon? What are you, what are you seeing out there um, just from a broad brush perspective? Um, well, it's a huge time of upheaval the past uh, 24 months has been for the social advertising industry. Um, and as we know, uh, Facebook has been rebranded into Meta. And um, from what we think anyway, that's really me- uh, Meta drawing a line in the sand saying, 
Uh, Facebook and Instagram is sort of our old business and they're going to be under attack from um, governments yep. uh, for, for the next foreseeable future. Uh, and Meta is where they're going to head. But in the meantime, they've had to solve the problem of Apple did their iOS, iOS 14 tracking changes, which really butchered um, Facebook's targeting ability. Um, and so they've been repairing that damage to their ad system, um, as as they see it. So find it interesting that my that that my reps are instead of calling them interests now they're calling them signals. Mm-hmm. So um, reportedly, Facebook's going to be using AI to predict um, uh, actions uh, internally in their app to serve ads rather than gathering external data sources such as location and bank statements and all those things that they used to do to sort of see what you're actually interested and in. And so just to just um, to extrapolate out on that for people who aren't aware, um, the iOS is, you know, the Apple operating system and people who have updated on their with their mobile devices have the opportunity to say, do not follow me to any apps. And yes. that's really hurt um, Facebook's ability to, to track you and therefore to get data on you um, from an advertising perspective. Is that right? Yeah, that okay. sounds like Trevor's break. Yes, that's correct. They've, they've really, um, yeah, that 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 internal data that comes from the tracking of yep. uh, on a mobile device has has really been hurt. But they're finding um, new ways around. They're rebuilding that from a higher level, all the way down again by doing things differently. And I'm certainly seeing the results, and a lot of the people I work with are seeing the results pick back up again. Okay, that's. Uh, in terms of that, so things just have to be done differently. It's not it's not a Facebook problem. It's everyone. Everyone was doing the same thing. Yep. Um, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, all gathering from external, and it's got to be done differently yep. now. Alrighty, excellent. Um, Mel, uh, what's the state of the nation when it comes to Google Ads? What are you seeing out there? Very good question. So the big thing from Google's point of view is automation. So AI, so machine learning. So set all your campaigns up, let the machine learn, do it, let the machine learn. Um, And that, if you have quite a low ad spend and don't know what you're doing, to be honest, that can be very effective. But I will publicly here and now advocate and I'd be interested in what Kim thinks as well if you know what you're doing and you've got quite significant ad spend, you definitely still need a person to make guidance on what the AI should do. Yep. You can't just accept Google's recommendations if you don't understand what they are. So while they can be helpful, I'm just going to say it again. You need a person that thinks and understands to say, yes, we'll try that. No, we won't try the other thing. So that's pretty big at the moment. What we're also seeing is honestly, Google ads are awesome. (laughs) Yay me. Um, They work. (laughs) If they're set up and done properly, even in very competitive industries compared to SEO, and again, I'm open to Kim's advice about this, but compared to what you need to pay for SEO to rank on page one and if you have the right tracking and everything set up, Google Ads are awesome and our clients at the moment are booming. I'm very happy to say. Terrific, terrific. Kim, you've uh, you sort of cross a, a few boundaries, but let's let's look at let's look at SEO at the moment. So continue the Google theme. 
Um, what's the state of the nation with SEO as you see it? Because it, you know, things change and and morph in that space. What are you What are you seeing at a top line level at the moment around search? Look, I think um, search engine marketing is awesome because when people are searching on a, a search engine, particularly in Australia around Google, because it's ninety, you know, ninety three to ninety seven percent of all search volume, it shows that their behaviour, and that's what I'm really interested in, is behaviour that they're uh, closer to the buying point. You know, they're either researching a purchasing decision or they're about to buy. And as Melinda said, I think Google Ads is awesome because Google Ads um, is getting, it's playing the Google game. It's paying for the click, you know. And, and I, I do concur with Melinda in that I think that um, we are constantly being driven to interact with uh, Google's account managers and Google's policies, obviously. Um, and a lot of what they suggest to us around ads optimization, Google Ads optimization, um, does not equate to a better result for our clients. Right. So they're particularly biased in the recommendations they make. Um, if people have one takeaway, never accept any of the things that pop up that Google suggests. And I'm not saying they're not right, but I'm saying you need to understand them and know what the consequences are before you just click accept. And I think that's what Kim's saying as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and likewise with Facebook, TikTok, and Meta, I mean, what you you guys are saying, what Google tells you, Facebook does the same thing with me. She say, you know, dump everything to AI and let it work out. But then you have all these runaway trains that you've got to, you know, pull up that uh, don't give the best results for your clients. Yeah, when one ad just goes off and you're like, what, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not right. So in in terms um, of the elements, Kim, like, you know, you, you, you deal with clients and then part of it is maybe SEO, part of it might well, be, yeah, yeah. might be ads, might be some social bringing that in, but also yeah. because we're talking here real, what we're essentially doing is driving leads to websites and we'll get yeah. into personal brand based businesses and thought leaders in a tick. Yeah. But because we're doing that, there's no point doing spending money to get all those leads to your website if your website's not optimised to to handle that. Walk us through that connection, that last mile. Yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of things that you covered there, but I think the story that I was taking aside is Google Ads is great for immediate traction. And what I love about SEO, though, is that Google, uh, Google um, SEO has a higher trust factor. So generally in a complex, long sales cycle, particularly B2B, um, SEO plays a really important factor because it adds to the trust factor, you know, the trust of the brand. Yep. And so then you go, well, now I've spent this money on, whether it's Google ads or whether it's free marketing display advertising, whether it's awareness or whether it's social, whether it's organic or whatever the channel is, I'm driving all, you know, even, even shop front on, on a main busy road is costing you, you know, networking, everything you're doing is drop. Everybody's going to go to your website to check out who you are. So then you're saying, well, I'm spending all this time, money and energy driving people to the website. So then you look at, well, what can I do to get better conversion out of my site? I think that's where you're pointing to. And I think that's a part of um, good SEO is actually helping a client to understand the elements that go into CX or UX. CX is customer experience or user experience. So we drive better conversion when we do get people to a site. Yep. Um, and so that the, the three buckets of workflow in SEO um, are the site health and what we see in the market is most agencies will tinker with the things that are kind of outstanding when it comes to site health um, but they won't get really deep 
into technical side op optimization because that mean, means means that you need a web dev team. And then the second bucket of, uh, of workflow or silo of workflow is around depth of content and front of site structure. And again, we do see those, you know, 80% you know, of agencies that are out there around a transactional relationship, they'll drop one or two pages around the keyword set that they've, their policy is guided to. So we're going to optimize these five keywords. Really good example of that is um, an indigenous construction company in Sydney spent 12 months and I won't name the agency. And they went, it's been great. We're front, we're front page, you know, position one to three for indigenous construction company and and i'm so so how's that impacting your bottom line how's that impacting your business metrics how's it what leads is it generating for you and they're like none and i said that's because you were you were you, it, it marries with your business need it, from your perception around your buying process but there's no search volume for indigenous con or aboriginal construction company or indigenous construction company so that conversation should have been had yep. around the research up front before you got into the market and maybe a wider keyword set but most people aren't doing front of site structure as deep as deeply as they should be because it's one of the largest levers that you can pull for organic ranking on the front page of google i know that most of my clients when i finish that depth of content that front of site structure within uh, you know, one to two months of that site being indexed and that new content and structure being indexed, they'll get a doubling of impressions and click through. And then the third bucket is around backlinking profile. And good back, that's where most agencies play. They'll go, we're doing 500 backlinks a month. And most of them are taken to these offshore sites where it's very low domain authority. It looks like it's high value, but the actual intrinsic value is very, very low. And so, the problem is that people are being sold these very easy to buy packages. They're very transactional. And they're not being educated along the way. And so they don't, and, and many of them don't want to understand what goes into good SEO. Yeah. Uh, they just get confused by it. So these people are playing on that and they're selling the package that the person can afford. But in reality, when you look at the competition and the amount of work that needs to be completed monthly for them to actually rank for good keywords that are going to really shift the needle for their business, that conversation is too difficult for both parties and so they go through this transactional process and they buy something 12 months later it creates a bad name for the industry and 12 months later that six grand eight grand 12 grand they've spent has had no impact on their bottom line so really anyone who's going to go down the seo path really needs to do their homework and at least understand the basics so i've always you know from what i gleaned from that yeah i mean you've got your your content and your keywords I'm, I'm going to be oversimplifying this kim your content and your keywords that side of things and what people are searching for you've got your uh, on-site SEO, which is the technical aspects and the health of your site, as you mentioned. Uh, and then the backlinks is when you, other sites of authority link back to your site, um, which then, you know, helps raise your uh, rising tide yeah. lifts all boats. Um, so yeah. it helps rate, uh, raise your authority in the eyes of Google. What we'll cover in a minute is the earned media side, which we talk about a lot on the podcast, which means that if you're you know, you're being interviewed on a really big podcast or a, uh, an industry publication or on the BBC or the ABC in Australia or, you know, the Wall Street Journal in America. If they you get a link back from that, that's a high authority site. So um, yeah. that, that ties back into the whole media relations uh, side of, yeah. of running your brand. Um, a good deep... SEO audit will, will audit those top four or five competitors and it will actually give you all of the domains and you can list the domains in, in order of domain authority and you'll have hundreds of domains that have shown a propensity to publish content that is similar in nature to what you need to publish. So we already know they're willing to publish that content and then you would go through all of those domains and reach out to them and say, well, what con content can we create for you 
that would be good for your audience, good for our audience, and have an inbound link to us. And that's kind of like going into a networking environment with 200 people, and 20 people there love what Trevor does, and they're all saying, go and talk to Trevor. And it's the same in the World Wide Web. Google are looking for indicators from domain authorities they already trust that are a moderate to high authority. And when there's an inbound link, it shows a signal that those domains that already have a high trust now trust your site and it leeches authority back to your site. I like that, leeches authority. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. How, how, what's, how do you, what's that tool? Is that, is that a tool or a platform? or it's... So part of a deep technical SEO audit, even before you get started, right. will show you um, a competitor landscape. And, um, not, and again, not many agencies do that. And even big companies that get into that are astonished by the amount of data that goes into that and, and the landscape that it paints and the way forward for yep. them. Just the yep. technical, it's, it's driven by data. It's not driven by a kind of stab in the dark, you know, black hat approach. Or, you know, a lot of people think of SEO as being mystical. It's not, a good SEO is driven by data. Right, excellent. Okay, so I said at the outset that, you know, a lot of people are running and building a brand uh, organically, they're, they're showing up, organically they you know they're going to attract uh people to them the the bigger you know the bigger the brand the bigger the reputation the more visibility they have all of that side of things sometimes that's enough to uh run your business organically sometimes it's not sometimes you might want to grow your business and as i said at the outset you need some probably paid media and other other digital marketing activities. I've always said brand versus demand, and this is the demand side, the brand that we mostly talk about, building that brand and reputation 365 days of the year. That's your bottom of the pyramid, and it just keeps building and building, and, and that's the organic side. Now we're talking about the demand generation. So if you put, your, uh, put yourself in the shoes of someone who's running a... Oh, let's call it a, a personal brand-based enterprise. So basically, it's they, they are the front person for the organization. They could have a small team of five or six people. Uh, they could be running a consultancy firm. Uh, they could be uh, other things that people do when they are the brand is uh, coaching, online courses, uh, group coaching, mentoring, advisory, uh, all of those things. They all need leads. Often, it's a... A, not necessarily a complex, but maybe a little bit of a, a zigzaggy path to purchase for some people, the, the buyer's journey. So given that the people we're talking about have got good content, uh, it could be a podcast they're doing, they're probably all blogging, they're going to be on social media, they might be getting some good backlinks from earned media, and then uh, potentially and probably on YouTube. Given that really rough rough as guts brief there um where would where would your elements fit in so we'll go back to miles um in that regard how would you just approach i mean obviously you can't make recommendations without knowing a person's situation but how would you approach someone who's in that situation they come to you they just want to start taking things up a notch um you know i'm doing well with my advising and consulting but I just need a, another pipeline and I'm looking at doing, should I be doing Facebook? Should I be doing LinkedIn? Should I be doing TikTok? Uh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> I, I think that's the first thing that, that always has to be ascertained is where is your audience, right? Um, 
a blogger by the name of Nas Daily um, did a talk, and and basically he was like, I'm not on Twitter because my audience is on Facebook, and that audience is between 25 and 55. Right, so once you actually know where your people are, that's when you should. That's where you should focus. Um, the other thing is, is yeah, you've got to do your research a bit with this too. So um, there is a misconception, for example, with TikTok that it's a bunch of dancing teens to music, but the amount of professional content on there and someone that Mel and I know, um, who's a copywriter as well, just joined TikTok today because she's seen all of her copywriting competitors on there and getting good traction. So know your customer um, and, and focus on that. But also you've got to be happy with the reality is that um, your content is probably not as good as you think it is. Oh, um, oh so, sure. So the audience always, the audience is always the judge of that, and you have to be at peace with that. All right. So it's a hard slog, and the, also the other factor is is that um, unless your content is really, really good, you are most likely going to have to pay to get it going all the time. So viral hits just don't happen, and these companies need to be profitable so they don't give you as much reach as what they used to with this stuff. So. Um, the content will take time. You've got to you've got to work out what works and what works best for you, and um, that's when you really start to you know, hit your strides and get going. Miles, there's um, again we've we've worked together in the past. You know my philosophy on this that um, you know if you're going to spend money, um, depending on your product and service, of course, but in a large um, I guess a lot of businesses trust is everything and yeah. and trust gets built over consistency. The notion of just showing up because uh, on in someone's Facebook feed, for example, because that person has a propensity for this type of program or course or whatever, and they don't know you from a bar of soap versus someone who has delivered value and great content and, and is actually paying to have their content put out there, um, just useful and helpful, no calls to action. And then when they've got a call to action, they go back to that audience where they've already warmed them up. Watch, let us know on your thinking on that. Has that changed at all? No, um, it hasn't changed. I think the type of content has changed. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you are forming a relationship with your customer. And you want that relationship to be formed slowly. You know, you don't want figuratively to try to get into bed with them, i.e. sell with them um, the first time that they see you. So um, organic and sort of the 9 by 16 ratio uh, portrait style content because of TikTok and Reels um, works very, very well to be promoted because it's natural. It doesn't come across as an ad. Um, and even those are working quite well as ads. Um, right now uh including things like tips for example just something of value that you're giving that person you know for free and then you can come back and use retargeting to um, sell the course or sell the product or whatever it is that you eventually want to um get them in for yep mel on your side of things um you know at which point does would a someone who's built up a thought leader brand or a personal brand based business, um, you know, they're upfront, but uh, they could be running a, a consulting firm, for example, but they, they still need to, 
generate leads and sales and I guess consultants and advisors and mentors and that they use Google Ads a lot. Um, what's your thinking around all that? At which point do you do it? Is it uh, in the early days or is it as you reach a certain level? Um, and, and you know, do you go hell for leather in it or just um, go really uh, long tail keywords? Very good question. So um, <laughs> take me back if I miss anything. But I think this aligns with both what Kim and Miles already said. So before we do any Google ads for any client, regardless of the topic, our approach is website, conversion tracking, paid ads. Never jump in and go, I've got no traffic. Give me Google ads, Mel. I'm like, no, your website, am I allowed to swear? No. <laughs> your website's not ready. So <laughs> everyone needs a good website before you pay for any traffic. Um, and it's a whole separate topic, but you guys all know. So it includes fast to load, mobile friendly, good design, good copy, clear call to action, all the things, good tracking as well. So that leads me to the next thing, conversion tracking. What is it that you want people to do when they get to the website? So I know, Trevor, you mentioned we're talking about getting traffic there, but I will never take a client that says to me, Mel, get me traffic. Actually, do you know what if they did? That is the easiest campaign in the world. I can get you any old traffic from anywhere for three cents a click, but that's not going to build your business, right? So what is it that you want people to do when they get to your website? Be very clear about that and have tracking. So for you, Trevor, perhaps with the School of Influence, you wanted people to sign up for the course. So have Google Analytics have that tracked so I can tell you you spent this much money and you got this much and you can see what the return is. Um, so we very much focus on that first and then we look at the paid ads. And then the first thing I'd encourage everyone to do is search for yourself in Google. So I did this for all of us today and Miles, <laughs> I will use you as an example because there's a rogue Miles Harris ranking in Google above you who's a reporter in the US. So he's all over the SERP, so that search engine results page. So in this instance, if Miles had a course or something connected to his personal brand, the first thing I would suggest to him is brand ads. So we bid on Miles Harris. We put his ad up there that says ABCD, whatever it is. I have a course launching or work with me for social media ads and it brings them into the right landing page. So if that was important to my, <laughs> that's what I do right now. Um, having said that, you don't have, well, I didn't see like a milesharris.com website. So I think Trevor, that's really important for the personal brand as well, because a lot of people like me, I am my business website, but I'm working on my melindasampson.com website so that I always have that one ranking at the top if people search for me by name. Um, yeah, so brand ads are a no-brainer. If we bid on Miles Harris or Trevor Young or Kim Wallace, you can customise the copy. It can say whatever you want if you've got a course starting soon, whatever it is, and you can bring them into whatever page of your website you want, and it's quite hard to achieve the same thing with SEO. And if that campaign is run well, those clicks... Maybe they're 50 cents now. Sometimes Google works in different ways, but they're very inexpensive relative to paying for a click 
for the actual thing that you do, if that makes sense. Um, right. So I think brand ads, if you're not at the top of the page or you want to customise, what it says is very important. Um, and the second one, regardless of your budget, and I think Miles will align with this as well, remarketing. So set up a remarketing tag on your page, update your privacy policy that Google needs need like a 365-day list, so one year. So a good example for you, Trevor, if you were doing this, everyone that visits your page gets tagged by Google under certain circumstances if they haven't opted out of cookies, etc. But anyway, a lot of people still get tagged. And then when you have a course coming up and say you open it for two weeks and there's a deadline, you punch in some remarketing ads. So everyone that visits your website sees these ads. Trevor's got school influence opening and it closes in two weeks. Very, very powerful and honestly so inexpensive in terms of what you pay for the reach compared to what the clicks actually cost you. Yep. So that's remarketing is when people have they've come to your site and then you you might appear on a new you know like a new site or or another site. Yeah, good. There. I should have explained that. So there's a lot of websites that host Google ads. So if you see ads, for example, maybe on the Age, Sydney Morning Herald, Gumtree, anywhere that hosts Google ads, there's a little blue triangle in the top right corner of the ad that you can hover over and it said ad, ads from Google or something like that. That's where you can see where they are. But the most important thing is it's a massive network. It's millions of websites yeah. where you can appear if people visit those websites after they went to yours. So they just get reminded of your brand and it reinforces any message that you want them to know. And they can they can also you can you can have high frequency or or lower it down. So a respectful way is just to appear every now and then. Uh, probably the more bombastic way would be to just smother them, and uh, maybe they get sick of you chasing them around the That's web. That's a so. really good point. So there's a setting that yeah. says let Google optimize um, if people choose to do that. But we base it on how long is the campaign if it's evergreen going we do quite a low frequency cap so people don't see the ads too often but if it's yep. like seven days until registrations for this course close we'll go like let people see the ads everywhere so yeah it's based on what the objective is okay and and trevor just to throw something in here that might make mel and kim grumble at me but if you haven't got a <laughs> website that's up to scratch um and and is not in a position to take traffic then uh, Facebook and TikTok and LinkedIn have other solutions for that. So if you need leads, they can do native lead forms, which is lead forms within the actual app itself without sending them to a website that's most likely going to not convert people. It would be very, very expensive for you to do so. And the other thing that Facebook and TikTok have launched is something called Instant Experiences as well, which is like a little mobile website within their app um, instead of sending them to your website that may not be up to scratch. So if you need to get going quickly, there are internal options um, before you go down the whole change of website route. I think that's actually really great, Miles, and it takes away one of the roadblocks. If the website's not good enough, you can just do this. My interest would be 
how much tracking do you have? Like how many people viewed the form versus filled it in? Does Facebook give you yes. that kind of information? Yeah, and then you can retarget on that as well. So you can retarget okay. on yep. people that um, have opened up your lead form but not filled it in. Uh, so, you know, you can double down on the offer or do something else to get them to fill it out. Instant experiences, you can track people that have viewed the experience and click call to actions on um, those instant experiences as well. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just an easy way to sort of get a little website up and running that, that you don't own and that you don't have any Google Analytics on or anything like that. But if you need to get going, it's a good alternative. No, if it works, that's awesome. You're sending shivers up Kim's spine there. So. <laughs> well, not, not really. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm a really big advocate for if you're in a B2B space. So if you're an advisor or you know, you're building a personal brand around professional services or something, mm-hmm. you're in a B2B space. I'm all about finding your audience and getting rid of the noise. Yep. Um, yeah. And I love LinkedIn because in Australia, it's so difficult to buy good quality data. And yeah. so, you know, um, and the quality of that, what you pay for the quality of data is very poor. Whereas LinkedIn, I can target by job role, I can target by industry, I can target by size of business, I can target by length of uh, employment, I can target by how long they've been in a job role like that. So there are all these layers that I can filter the perfect avatar. And what is frustrating about LinkedIn is that LinkedIn has a limit of 100 connection requests a month. So I have been looking for two years for the right platform that ticks most of the boxes and they're not none of them are perfect but i want to be able to accelerate that so i want to be able to do follows and likes and i want to do comments and i want to be able to get my face and my brand in front of that person through my personal profile not a website not a business brand but my personal profile which is attached to higher ranking but i want to get that in front of the perfect avatar what do you say to, and there, you know, there's the two schools of thought on this. Uh, so it's a really good conversation to have and jump in, uh, Mel and Miles. Um, that sounds like a, a band, doesn't it? Mel and Miles. Mel and Miles, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't, doesn't ring right with Kim. Mel that and Miles. Sounds, sounds like a 70s band. Yeah, that's kind of. You don't want to hear me But, sing. Um, but in, those people that, you know, we get bombarded, we, we accept a. Uh, an invitation request and then we get the f- the quick follow-up pitch now you you're saying it, it could be soft yeah. it could be hard yeah. so yeah so you're totally right trevor it has to sit with your approach to market and um so like like i said in in more complex higher value um niche markets uh you would want to put what whatever your current based account based marketing process is is probably around a softly softly so I've got this white paper, or I've got um, I've got a, a, a webinar coming up, or I've got a podcast I'd like you to join, and that's just getting them to engage with my brand. And now I'm going to right. nurture them over time. So it can be whatever you want. It can be actually I'm going to go for the hard sell. It can be a soft sell. It can be what what that messaging is just a window of opportunity to connect with an individual that's the right person. And now it's up to you to create and craft that messaging around your approach to market. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm unashamedly um, sales-based. Other companies, in no way am I doing that. Can we do, we've got a webinar coming up, can you get bums on seats? I actually, another one is also, which I really love, is I'm, I wanna get more and more strong. So I've got a guy that does debt consolidation for ATO tax debt. He wants to connect to um, lawyers, accountants, and bookkeepers. 
So his isn't about getting the immediate sale. His is about building his referral networks out. Right. So, so ladies and gentlemen, that's what, at least probably five grand worth of advice that we've just picked up here. Like this is yeah. dark art stuff, Ken. This is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at how do you take tech to get... So the big thing about LinkedIn is it's slow because you've got a limit of 100 a week. How can we play... How can we, how can we growth hack that? And there are, don't get me wrong, it, it, I'll talk about that one-on-one -on -one with people if they want to, but I'm excited about how do I get that to scale and then how do I sift through all the dirt to get the gold out and fit that with the business need. Yeah. And so if we look at LinkedIn advertising per se, so that's from a business account, and so that might be you know, you wouldn't really spend the money because it's usually a high click because your quality of your audience that you can target, as you mentioned, Kim, is quite high. It's very yeah. good. Um, yeah. You know, you wouldn't, whereas on Facebook, you might say, you know, here's my new podcast or just put your latest YouTube video on and something like that because the cost per view or click is extremely low. That's not the case in LinkedIn as I understand it. Yeah. But so the, when you do advertise on LinkedIn, it's probably better to, uh, be something that's a lot more higher value, like a white paper or a webinar, um, that sort of thing, and where hopefully you can capture an email address uh, to build your your subscriber list. We well, uh, see there's, that, there's two that schools. There's two schools on that. I've thought on that too. There's an awesome um, TED Talks video on the science of reciprocity, and so do you want to drive people to have to exchange their personal details for you to give them something? The science of reciprocity actually says, well, if a waiter gives something freely, like two mints before he asks for the tip, he'll get more tips. If he actually comes back, turns around and gives them more mints again, so freedom twice, I'm giving you a freebie, or goes to walk away, comes back, I'm going to give you another freebie, he'll get 10 times the tip that he was originally going to get. Yeah. So it really depends on your psychology and your approach to market. Yep. Do you ask for the email list? And do you think your audience is actually going to continue to nurture through an email list? Or yeah. do you give something away freely and build trust in brand? Yeah. I'm glad to raise that because that's, I mean, we're all, you know, we do talk often about email lists and, uh, and, and you know, particularly in B2B, but you do the, the giveaway of the ebook or something. And, you know, David Meeman Scott, the author, once did some research and he says you're up to 50 times more likely to get downloads um, if you don't ask, you don't lead gate it with a, an email. And I, I'm more of that school of thought. Uh, if, but if the goal, it comes down, isn't it, Mel? It comes down to your goals. If your goal is to get your name out there and get awareness, you want as many people downloading and sharing as possible. And if you put some paid spend behind that, that, that you know, amplifies uh, your voice even further. If your goal is, no, it's all about the email list, I'm happy to wear the fact that I get a lot less people uh, clicking through then, um, you know, because if they're clicking through, I'm going to pay for that click, I want them on an email, then that's your goal, then that's what you do. So uh, would that be fair, Mel? I think, yeah, if I can jump in here, this is a good time to talk about how Facebook and Google work together. Um, even though I'm completely a Google Ads girl, I'm the first one to say to a lot of clients, what are you doing on Facebook and social media as well? And I'm a big fan of the marketing funnel. So while I love conversion tracking, I can't possibly track all the value that someone gets from a Google Ad 
campaign and it's very important and I consider this every single day when I make updates to campaigns. I'm like, you didn't get conversions, but what else did you get? So we need a lot of information to make good decisions about online marketing for a personal brand. Um, but really, so Google Ads can get people to your website, but if Miles can do something clever to retarget them on Facebook, so just to confirm to people, people go to Google to search for a certain thing. They have intent and they want to find that thing. People are on Facebook and social media to talk to their friends and chit-chat and do other things, not necessarily to find a business or service. So it's a very different approach to both mediums. But if they're done well together, it's amazing. So I love working with Facebook ads, people that understand what we're doing and where their part fits in as well. Um, and just before we jump over to Miles, but we'll see in Google Analytics, you had, I'm just going to make up some numbers, 200 visits from Google Ads and you got 20 people doing the thing. And we'll see you had 200 people from Facebook and only one person did the thing. But those 200 people from Facebook influenced and went back to Google and searched. So it's very important that people consider right. the whole picture of the marketing funnel. Yeah. And, and then you argue over the figures of attribution, Mel. That's always a fun Oh, we're not going to have that conversation now, Miles. But I give Facebook more credit than we can see because Google Analytics is owned by Google and they give as much credit as possible to Google. And I'm completely fine that they do that. And Facebook and, and gives Facebook. as much to Facebook. So I'm the first one to say it doesn't matter. It's all good. <laughs> As long as things are happening, it's all good. Yeah. I just wanted to throw it, throw out there, um, put put it out to the floor about YouTube, because it kind of it's social media. It's YouTube, YouTube's owned by Google. I've heard stories of people getting great value out of paid on YouTube, and that's not necessarily paid ads pre-roll, which I personally hate. It's probably the most click-through past. Thing on the web, but I stand to be corrected. But what what are your thoughts, each of you, on YouTube? Um, because you, I mean, YouTube's a discovery engine. So, can you pay to get your uh, videos higher up in the in the discovery section? And what's the best way? Do you approach if you do at all? Um, approach YouTube advertising generally. Do you want to go, Miles, or? Oh, you're the Google person. You you start with YouTube. I can <laughs> okay, I can touch so on other videos. I resoundingly say we love YouTube ads. So maybe five years ago, um, Google said to me, and I repeat this all the time, it's like TV advertising, but way more targeted and way more way less expensive, and that's yeah. still the truth today. I thought maybe five years later. It would be like what Google search ads were 10 years ago, whereas a lot of places um, to pay for a search ad click, you can still only get six to eight people on the first page. So you've got to outrank them with the ads. So they're getting more and more expensive. But we do YouTube ads as part of the sales funnel for clients all the time. It's very inexpensive. Google's very, very smart about, what people are interested in. If you're logged into Google when you do a Google search, 
or many Google searches, as the case is usual. Um, Google knows what you're interested in if you're about to have a baby, if you're buying a pet, if you're buying a home, all the things. So we can just make those ads so targeted. And I take your point, Trevor, that you don't like them, but I might suggest that people aren't targeting you properly because if the ad's good, people want to watch it, right? So they get five seconds to skip it. Or they watch it. Um, you only pay with YouTube ads if they watch 30 seconds. Click on a link or the whole video if it's less than 30 seconds. So it's so inexpensive. Most of our clients get a view for maybe 10 cents each. So I'll give you a scenario. Trevor, say you put a new video on YouTube and you thought about putting in your newsletter and people go there and go, oh, this guy, Trevor, he's only got three views. I'm not going to listen to him. But you could do YouTube ads and maybe for $10 get 100 views less. Do the maths for me. For not very much, <laughs> you can get a lot of views from the light, bright people. So when the actual organic people go back and view their video, they say, well, this guy, Trevor, He's got 1,500 views. I need to watch this video now. So I think from a personal right. brand point of view, that's a very important thing for people to be aware of. Are you talking there that um, you promote your YouTube videos on YouTube videos? Getting very meta here. Yeah, good. I should have explained that. So there's different ways you can do the ads. So I'm talking about the ads um, they're called skippable. So when you go to watch a video that you picked, an ad pops up and you get five seconds to skip yep. it and the advertiser doesn't pay yep. or you can keep watching it. So they're those type of ads. Yep. The ones that you mentioned yep. about YouTube search, they're called discovery ads. Um, they don't rank as often or get as many views, but that's possible as well. So it's the same as Google, but if someone goes to YouTube and says Trevor Young... You can have an ad at the top and people can go straight to your video. Oh, so uh, you know, to be clear, I love video because the stats are that video has eight times the engagement. So we love that um, over traditional content like text-based content. Um, my frustration is I love remarketing. And the reason I love remarketing is we drive 400 people to my site every month. I've spent a lot of time and energy driving them there. How do I reaffirm after they leave my site, my brand, and my and engage with them over time? Right, we talked about remarketing, but on video remarketing, on on display remarketing, I need a minimum hundred engaged audience, and an engaged audience can yep. be up to one hundred and eighty people visiting your site every month. On video retargeting, I need over a thousand engaged audience, which could be up to two thousand people visiting my site every month. So if you're, uh, you know, if you're a smaller business. My, you know, some of those people aren't hitting, you know, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 yep. visitors to their site every month. Uh, and therefore, you know, you, you, you position it and then you go to run it and you find out they don't have enough traffic. You yeah. can tell that before you get moving. But that's my only frustration around paid right. video. Um, I do love video though. And the other thing around SEO is you can actually rank video for longer tail keywords that are down the buying yep. funnel quite quickly because Google love video and they want to rank mm -hmm. good quality video. So if you optimize your video through YouTube for organic optimization, 
around longer tail keywords that'll get immediate traffic down the buying funnel. That can be a really good SEO strategy around video. Wow, eh? Jeez, we've, thank you, folks. Uh, I, I, we could probably go on for another couple of hours, I'm thinking. Um, there's been a lot of gold uh, you guys have shared. Thank you very much. Um, it is, you know, it is an, the whole digital marketing or paid media space is, you know, there's lots of, lots of sort of changes in the landscape all the time. So it really pays to, you know, to be up, to, up front with everything and be on top of it. But, you know, hire experts if you don't know. And Trevor, can I just like one, one, one tiny, tiny thing very quickly is that, yes, it's very easy to promote Facebook, face, your Facebook videos, but the hottest thing at the moment is Google TikTok smart ad, uh, spark ads. That's when you can promote TikTok spark ads. That's when you can promote all of your content, all of your TikTok out to the wider audiences. And that's um, very, very, very cheap to do. So to add some extra value, sorry to cut in. No, that's fine. That's in, well. I was going to ask you each is sort of a final saying. So uh, that can be that's yours. If, uh, uh, TikTok mark ads, right? You're you're ahead of me, uh, Kim. What's your final word um, for for people who are considering the paid space, how to approach it, and and what sort of mindset they need to be in? I won't talk budgets because that's horses for courses, but what sort of mindset do they need before they go into into the paid media space? I think um, you know, awareness advertising is probably my last resort um, for you know, whether it's text or video. Yeah. I love um, Google Ads because it's immediate. You're playing the Google game, paying for the click, and, the, and if it's well done, uh, like Melinda said, if it's well optimised and you need data to optimise, so it does take a bit of time, but it's the most immediate channel. People's behaviour tell me when they're on a search engine that they're ready to buy or they're researching a buying decision. So if it's well done, that'll give a good return on investment, especially if it's tracked well and optimised. Um, but I love, um, and, and retargeting would be one of my 101, like why, why wouldn't you run retargeting? You spend all this time, energy, and money. You can run at a cost per click. We get 400 people to our site every month. I spend $400. I delivered like 48,000 times my display ads followed around those 400 people and drove another 100 people in a month back to my site for 400 bucks. That's a no-brainer. Um, but LinkedIn, for a B2B, um, the, the not paid, you have to pay for it. But um, LinkedIn uh, connection request into sequenced messaging, immediate lead generation, B2B, complex, high-dollar value sales. Seems to be where I'm getting most of my attraction right now. Terrific. Thank you. And Mel, any final words? Oh, I was just going to say anyone that has a good YouTube channel and has created some videos, I would encourage them to consider YouTube ads. Very powerful in a lot of different ways. Both discovery and pre-roll. Depending yeah. on the objective, or yes. Your pre-roll advocate. Yeah, if you're going to do discovery, I, w I would have a very good YouTube channel. Yeah. So you can take discovery to any video, but if people want to look and go, that's a channel, I think they want to see that you're established, not that you've just put one video on there right. so that you can advertise it. Okay. So have like a whole YouTube strategy rather than just a Google Ads point. Yep. Yep, gotcha, gotcha. 
It's all happening here. So um, um, thanks, thankfully, uh, we've got the experts here to, uh, to unpack a lot of that. And I hope you got some value out of it. Thank you, Kim, Miles, and Mel. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks, Trevor. The reputation economy is here. The world today needs more genuine, credible experts and leaders to stand up and share their experience, their wisdom, their stories and ideas. Are you in? 